book of Jonah, the little book of Jonah. And uh, we're going through our series uh, on Wednesday nights on the prayers in the Bible, the blueprints of prayer, looking at the different prayers in the Bible. And uh, tonight we're going to examine Jonah's prayers. And uh, this, you know, typically when you think of the book of Jonah, you don't necessarily think of uh, prayer. But there are some prayers recorded in this book that do help us to understand our own prayer life and to uh, some lessons that uh, we can learn in, uh, and apply to our own, our own prayer life. Now, all of us, or if not all of us, I'm sure all of us are very familiar with what happened in the book of Jonah. Um, it's a true Bible story that all of us have heard and know most of the details. Um, pretty familiar. Uh, but tonight I do want to walk through this familiar account and look at Jonah's prayer life and the lessons we can learn from them. And so I'm going to start here by reading uh, Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 6. And uh, I don't know that we'll read all of the verses in this book, we, but we might tonight. Um, I don't want it to be a very lengthy time, but um, let's go ahead and read uh, Jonah 1, verse 1, all the way down through verse 6. It says, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof, went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish, Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. Then the mariners were afraid and cried, Every man unto his God, and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship, and he lay and was fast asleep. Verse 6, so the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God, if so be that God will think upon us that we perish not. And we'll come back to this in a moment, but I do want to just give us a very quick uh, historical context of when this book was written, and it will explain a little bit of what Jonah was uh, experiencing in his heart and his mind. Uh, we've talked about uh, last Sunday a little bit about racial tension. There was some serious racial tension here between Jonah and the people of Nineveh. Um, the book of Jonah was written during the days when uh, the nation of Assyria was threatening the northern kingdom of Israel. God had sent Jonah to preach repentance to this capital city of Assyria named Nineveh. Now, Jonah was absolutely not a fan of these people. And, and, and that's putting it mildly, of course. Um, because they were an extremely cruel nation and an extremely cruel people. History tells us that the people in Assyria there um, were so evil that what they would do with their enemies is they would flay them alive. And I was like, flay them alive. That's really neat. What does that mean? It means to peel their skin off while they're alive. 
Um, and I think all of us have gotten some owies and some boo-boos before where we, you know, rip some skin off and it, and it doesn't feel good. But to have someone do that on purpose is, wow. And, and they would do this to their enemies just to be mean, just to be cruel. Um, they also, once they killed them, they made heaps of their skulls in like these mounds as like a little, you know, monument to their victory. Very just cruel people, other dreadful deeds they did as well. Um, and this was the capital city Nineveh was of the Assyrian nation. And uh, God had sent Jonah to go to this area and, uh, and, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. And so that's the, uh, just in a nutshell, the, the context of what was going on there. It, it would be equivalent to... You know, God calling you to, you know, on September 15th after you realized or whenever it was when we realized that it was Al-Qaeda behind the attacks of September 11th. For you to go and cry against it and and thinking that, well, but yeah, but what if they get saved and come to God? I mean, I, I don't want that to happen. Uh, that, that, that was Jonah. OK, um, Jonah wanted God's judgment upon this uh, horrible nation and uh, they were enemies of Israel, and uh, Jonah as a Jew was not a fan of this nation and did not want to go and see them repent and come to repentance. So he was not interested in going. And so in chapter 1, I do want us to point, to point out regarding in, in your outline, if you're taking notes tonight, uh, number 1 is this, Jonah refused to pray in chapter number 1. Jonah refused to pray. Now, prayer is a dialogue, right? It's, you know, God speaking to me through his word and then me speaking back to God. Well, God did his part in verse, verse number two. Um, verse one tells us the word of the Lord came unto Jonah. And then here's what God said to Jonah. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. And there's no response there's no prayer response that Jonah gave to God. Instead, it was kind of the opposite, isn't it? He tried to run away from God. And, uh, and then we see um, he gets in this ship, and there's other guys, there's other sailors or mariners, the Bible calls them. Um, I'm not a fan of the Seattle Mariners. Or you're not a fan of the Seattle Mariners. Okay, good. I just want to make sure. Any Mariners fans here tonight? You are really? Oh no. Okay. There's one in every crowd. There has to be. Okay. I'm a Cubs fan, so although we're not playing very well this year, but oh well, that's okay. Um, the Mariners uh, were in this ship too, and and there was just this group of guys that were in this big ship, and uh, and Jonah thinks, hey, I'm going to go the opposite direction. By the way. Um, Nineveh was about 500 miles from where he was uh, supposed to go, and Tarshish was 2,000 miles the opposite direction. Okay, and uh, so Jonah uh, thinks that he can flee from the presence of the Lord. Twice it says so in verse number three. He rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. At the end of verse three, it says, went down in it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He had this 
idea that if I go the opposite direction of where God's called me to go, then God's not going to be there. Well, um, we'll find out in a moment that that is not the case. Now, after they get in the ship, the Lord sent out in verse number four a great wind into the sea. And uh, it, it was so intense that these mariners, who I'm sure were used to the normal storms that they would experience at sea, um, they were afraid. So this was definitely not your run-of-the-mill, everyday little storm. It was an Oklahoma storm, probably, that the Lord sent over into that sea. And then here's what they did. Verse number 5, the mariners were so afraid... And they cried every man unto his God. So here the mariners were brought to prayer. Now, obviously, we know they're not praying to the right God. They're praying to their own gods, little G's, a little G. Um, but they're, in a sense, more spiritual than Mr. Jonah was. Because as all of them were crying out to their false gods, uh, Jonah, where's Jonah? Is he crying out to... The true God? No, no, no. Here, here's what he is in verse number 6. Jonah was gone down in the sides of the ship, and he lay and was fast asleep. See, he refused to pray. Um, it reminds me very much of those disciples uh, in the garden who also refused to pray. And I, I don't think they had this, you know, I'm not going to pray. No. Uh, uh, uh. I don't think they had that type of a spirit, but they also weren't willing to stay awake and pray. Remember, just before Jesus went into the Garden of Gethsemane to pray, he told Peter that uh, Peter would deny him. And uh, Simon Peter, bless his heart, promised that though everyone else would deny him, he would stay true. Well, then Jesus later leads Peter, James, and John into the garden to watch and pray. And remember, he said, watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. And what did they do? Did they watch and pray? Uh, they were watching the back of their eyelids. That's what they were doing. Uh, they fell asleep at, like Jonah did. And I realized that they had a long day, and, and uh, it, was, it was, I'm sure, late, and, and they were exhausted. But, uh, but they, instead of watching and praying and doing what Jesus, their master, said, uh, they decided that it was okay for them to fall asleep. And, uh, well, how did that pan out for Peter? Uh, just a little bit later, we find him denying the Lord. But I wonder if he would have stayed awake. If he would have watched and prayed like Jesus told him to, perhaps he wouldn't have fallen into that temptation. Um, but here Jonah refusing to pray like the disciples did, asleep when it was time to pray, asleep. Well then, uh, let's look. Let's pick it up and uh, and see here in verse number four. Or let's keep reading in verse number six. So the shipmaster came to him, and said unto him, "What meanest thou, O sleeper?" He's like, "Why are you sleeping? It's time to pray." Is what the, this guy goes and says. It's time to pray. I call upon your God, if so be that God will think upon us that we perish not. It, it's time to pray. Now Jonah still doesn't think it's time to pray. Verse number seven, they said every one to his fellow, come, let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. So they cast lots and the lot, of course, fell upon Jonah. They said unto him, tell us, we pray thee, for whose cause this evil is upon us. What is thine occupation? 
thy country and what people art thou? And uh, he was like, okay, I guess it's time to come clean. Verse 9, he said unto them, I am an Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which hath made the sea and the dry land. And the men were exceeding afraid, exceedingly afraid, and said unto him, Why hast thou done this? For the men knew that he had fled from the presence of the Lord, because he had told them. And they said unto him, What shall we do to thee, that the sea may be calm unto us? For the sea rod and was temptuous. He said unto them, Take me up, cast me forth into the sea, so shall the sea be calm unto you. For I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. He's like, I tried to flee from the presence of the Lord, but obviously I, I failed. <laughs> said, Nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring it into land, but they could not for the sea rot. They, they, they said, you know what, let's, let's try to bring it to land and see if we can get through this. They could not for the sea rot and was temptuous against, against them. And then here, this is interesting to me. So still up to this point, uh, we're, we're 13 verses into this. Jonah, the prophet of God, the minister of God, still has not prayed. But we see the mariners... They prayed to their false gods, but now in verse number 14, look what they do. These mariners, wherefore they cried unto the Lord. So now they're not, they're not just praying to just these false gods. Now they're praying to the true God. They cried unto the Lord and said, We beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee, let, not us, let us not perish for this man's life and lay not upon us innocent blood. For thou, O Lord, hast done as it pleased thee. So here, they're all of a sudden great prayer warriors, and still Jonah's refusing to pray. Verse 15, so they took up Jonah, cast him forth into the sea. And, and if Jonah really knew it was his fault and he knew what needed to happen, why didn't he have the integrity to throw himself overboard? He made them do it. It's, uh, Jonah, you probably should have taken, you knew what needed to be done. You should have just done it. He made them do it. So verse 15, so they took up Jonah, cast him forth into the sea, and the sea ceased from her raging. I mean, it was immediate. As soon as he hit there, the storm was gone. Well, verse 16, and the men feared, as the Lord, feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. So you can see that the mariners were much more spiritual than Jonah was, this prophet of God, this minister of the Lord. And Jonah, in all, in all of chapter 1, he refuses to talk to the Lord. He doesn't really want to say one word to him, even when it was time to pray. And so Jonah refused to pray. And I was thinking about this. You know, when you're running from God and you're living in rebellion, I, I don't know about you, but when I'm in that state, I don't really want to talk to God either. I don't really want to have a conversation with him. Because I know that it's not him that's causing this. It was me who caused it. I know when my, when my kids do wrong, they don't really want to come and talk to me. You know, they kind of want to, especially when they were younger, right? They want to run away from you because they know what's coming. A little, we called them in our homes timeouts because we lived in California where you know, we were a little nervous about what people would say as we, uh, we shared a wall for a while when we were parenting um, with other neighbors. And so we just didn't really want that. We're going to give you a 
you know, we're going to whoop the snot out of you. That doesn't really sound good in California, okay? Even though that's what we wanted to do. <laughs> that's what we did, but <laughs> we just called it something different. <laughs> um, but, but our kids didn't want to run to us when they did wrong. They, they kind of want to run away. And, and, and Jonah here, he, he's already trying to run away from God by going the opposite direction. And so, hey, it's time to pray. He's like, eh, not interested. Uh, I've got all these other excuses. And so, anyway, in, in, in chapter 1, we see that uh, Jonah refused to pray. And then uh, verse number 17, let's look in uh, chapter 1, verse 17. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. So, and it is interesting how the Lord prepared this great fish, and not the first time, or not the only time in the book of Jonah that the Lord prepared something for Jonah. We're, we're gonna we're gonna look in chapter four several other things that the Lord prepared just special for Jonah, and uh, the Lord prepared this uh, great fish to swallow up Jonah, and so Jonah. Now I I really believe that as Jonah goes overboard. He thinks, that's it. This is how it all ends. I mean, we know the book of Jonah. We know that God prepared. But without having the book of Jonah in our minds, you would think you get thrown overboard. You know, it's like, I ain't that great of a swimmer. <laughs> I can't swim forever. And uh, this is probably going to end by me in this, in this ocean. And I'm sure that Jonah thought this is, this is the end. In fact, as we read chapter 2, that is what he thought. He thought, this is it. It's all over. And the, the men who pushed him overboard and threw him over um, thought, we're, we're going to end this guy's life by doing this. And, and that's why they prayed this in verse 14, um, lay not upon us innocent blood. Um, we, you know... We want this storm to stop, and I guess the only way is for us to do this. And, uh, you know, Jonah won't jump. He should, but he's not going to. He's making us do it. So uh, Jonah refused to pray in chapter 1, but then we come to chapter 2, and here is Jonah's prayer. Finally, finally it's time for Jonah to pray. Finally, Jonah's at a point where he's like, okay, I probably should talk to the Lord. <laughs> There's some elephants in the room, and we need to address them, and uh, I probably need to, and, and the room that he was in was an interesting room, right? <laughs> um, there was some real things that uh, Jonah needed to deal with. Now, I imagine that you have prayed in a lot of different places in your life. I know I have. I've prayed laying down in bed, on my knees, in the car. I prayed in the shower, I prayed in an airplane, in the mountains, on the beach, in the park. The one place that I've never prayed is in the belly of a, of a whale. Uh, but, uh, but Jonah, that was his prayer closet, <laughs> was in the belly of this great fish. And that was where he prayed. Now it goes to show Jonah and to us that there is no place where God is not and that God cannot hear. And um, all this time, Jonah was trying to run away from the presence of the Lord. Well, that's an impossibility. Uh, it, no can do. Try as you might, you cannot run away from God's presence. You cannot flee from it. 
Uh, the psalmist said in Psalm 139, verse 7, Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I uh, take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. It doesn't matter. I mean, nobody else may see me, but, but Lord, you're able to, you have perfect night vision. <laughs> and uh, there's nowhere that I could go that you're not. And uh, Jonah thought, well, I go to Tarshish and, and the Lord's not going to be there. Oh, really? Uh, Jonah, he's everywhere. And uh, Christian brother, Christian sister, yeah, he's everywhere. And uh, I'm thankful for that, that he's there to protect me and keep me. But that should also, I mean, that's a great comfort, but it's also a convicting thought, too, that knowing that he sees everything that I do, uh, no matter if anybody else sees. Um, let's read the prayer that Jonah had in uh, chapter 2. So Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly. That was his prayer closet. <laughs> And here's what Jonah said. And I said, and said, I cried by reason of my affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardst my voice. For thou hast cast me into the deep, into the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed me about. All thy billows and thy waves passed over me. He's, he's explaining what it was like to be in the sea and just kind of uh, drowning and thinking it was all over. And then verse 4, he said, then, then I said, I am cast out of thy sight. He said, it's, it's over. I'm, I'm a goner. Yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. The waters compass me about, even to the soul. The depths closed me round about. The weeds were wrapped about my head. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption. O oh Lord, my God. He said, I was in the depths of the sea and it was all over. I was going to perish. I just know it. But then at the end of verse 6, he says, Yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption, O oh Lord, my God. Verse 7, when, I, when my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord and my prayer came in unto thee into thine holy temple. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own uh, mercy. But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. And this is point number two here. Uh, Jonah responded in gratitude and dedication. Jonah responded in gratitude and dedication in chapter 2. He gets rescued by this, by the sovereignty of God and, and God's creativity here, this great fish. And he responds out of gratitude. And in the first part, we talked about how it was like being in that sea, in the depths of the sea. And then, and then he's just so thankful for how the Lord did bring him up from that corruption and how the Lord remembered him. And, and uh, 
he, he just said in verse number nine, I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. And so he's just so thankful for what God did in rescuing him for, from the death that he really did deserve. And then, it, and then he goes on to, I will pay that that, I've, that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. I am going to rededicate myself to being obedient to you, God. I've learned my lesson. I'm not going to disobey you anymore. Um, in studying for this, chapter 2 seems like a pretty, a pretty wonderful uh, prayer. And uh, it seems like Jonah has learned his lesson. It seems like Jonah is right with God now. But honestly, as you, as you and I know, the book doesn't end at the end of chapter 2. Um, and we'll, we'll get to that in, in, in just a quick moment here. But uh, it is good for us to take time to thank God, of course, for what he's done in our life, for... Uh, saving us spiritually and, and uh, putting us in the life, giving us the life that he's given us, and then having those decisions that we've made, um, that we are willing to stay true to those. I will pay that that I have vowed. Those prayer of dedication is, is an absolute uh, a good thing to be praying. But one, one, one person that I was looking at um, who went through this passage said, this is very much like a foxhole prayer. And, and I was kind of like, okay, what's a foxhole prayer? And he explained that. Foxhole prayer is, Lord, please get me out of this jam. And I'll live for you. And I'll do what I want you to do. But then as soon as you're out of that jam, it's kind of right back into the old you. And in some ways, it seems like that was a little bit of what happened here with Jonah. Lord, thank you for saving me. There was actually in this particular prayer, if you study it out, there's no real repentance for his disobedience. That's glaringly missing from that particular prayer. That absolutely should have been in that prayer. Lord, I'm sorry for disobeying. I should have listened the first time. You're God. You, you know what's best. And, and, and I, I rebelled against you. There, there's none of that in there. And, uh, and so he's like, hey, thanks for saving me. And uh, I'm going to obey you now. No, no real repentance. So he did, though, respond in gratitude and dedication and then let's, uh, let's, let's pick it up in verse number 10 of chapter 2. So after he said, salvation is of the Lord, and I am thankful for that truth. That is a powerful truth. Salvation is of the Lord. But verse 10 says, the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. Now notice, the Lord spake unto the fish, and it obeyed the first time, unlike the prophet. Okay? A fish was willing to be obedient. But the preacher man, not so much. And uh, the way that, uh, that that's pretty awesome. I love, I love how the Bible says that it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. So he became, he became fish puke, <laughs> fish barf. <laughs> um, and uh, that's, 
We, we have four kids, and we've had our share of, and we were a youth pastor. I was a youth pastor for 15 years, you know, so I've seen my share of that part of life. And, um, and uh, Jonah, he must have been a spectacle and must have smelled super special, too. Uh, that's some sweet cologne you got there, Jonah. Okay, so the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited Jonah on the, on the dry land. Okay, and then here's what happens. Uh, I was studying this, and, and the Ninevites did worship a fish god, I think, named Dagon. And so they, I'm sure, knew about what happened. And uh, they said that those who've been... Um, he probably, that digestive juices within that large fish, that whale... Uh, probably did start to mess with his skin, start to digest his skin. So he probably had some disfiguration through it. It's possible anyway. Um, so here in verse, in chapter 3, verse 1, the word of the Lord came unto Jonah a second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. So let's try this again. <laughs> uh, take two, Jonah. And I am thankful that God gave Jonah another chance because that means that God is the God of the second chance. And don't we all need second and third and multiple chances in our Christian lives? Absolutely, we all do. Well, verse 3, so Jonah rose, went into Nineveh. He, this, is, this is how it should have gone at the beginning. Uh, he would have saved himself all of that whole episode there, but... Uh, Jonah rose, went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days' journey. Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey, and he cried and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. That was his message. That was his sermon. Don't you wish my sermons were as short as that? <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. Okay, you don't have to say amen right there, you know. No one says amen it's, except for times like that. Um, all right, verse number five. So the people of Nineveh, and this was, this was a major curveball to, uh, to Jonah. So the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them, even to the least of them. For word came unto the king of Nineveh, and he rose from his throne, laid his robe from him, covered him with sackcloth and sat in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published through Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast... Herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed nor drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God. Yea, let them turn every one from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hands. Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not? So he says this sermon. He gives this little brief little sermon and then Everybody just changes and is completely saved and converted overnight. Verse 10, God saw their, work, saw their works that they turned from their evil way. God repented of the evil that he had said that he would do unto them, and he did it not. So chapter 3 records the results of John, Jonah's preaching, and the entire city repents and gets saved. God shows mercy and withholds his judgment that Jonah was absolutely rooting for. He wasn't rooting for them to get saved. He wanted them to be destroyed in the best way possible. Like, make it good, Lord. 
I want to see them just be destroyed. Well, let's see how he re responded to that. Uh, number three on your outline, Jonah reacted in anger. So Jonah chapter 2 records his first prayer. Jonah chapter 4 records the second prayer that Jonah had. And it was a prayer that he was like, Lord, you saved an entire city. You're such a great God. Thank you so much. No, that wasn't at all what his prayer was. Instead of prayer of thanksgiving, like, God, thank you for causing this great revival to break out in Nineveh, more people into the kingdom of God, praise the Lord. By the way, most preachers would give their right arm to see an entire city come to repentance and salvation. I know I would. I mean, to have a response like that would be amazing. But of course, that wasn't the response that Jonah was hoping for. He had the wrong heart altogether. Look in verse number one of Jonah chapter four. So all of this happening, did it please Jonah? No, it displeased Jonah and it didn't just displease him, it displeased him exceedingly. And he wasn't just angry, he was very angry. And now he goes to the Lord in prayer. But it was not a prayer of, again, thanksgiving, it was a prayer of anger. And here's what he said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish. And then he says, for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, uh, slow to anger and of great kindness and repentest thee of the evil. He said, I knew it. I knew this was going to happen. And he tells us that's why he went to Tarshish. Yes, to flee from the presence of the Lord, but because he knew God's character and he knew that God would have grace and mercy upon this city just because that's who God is. And uh, he was... He was just absolutely ticked off about it. Now, these are beautiful words regarding the character of our God. And at first glance, you're, you're reading this and like, wow, I knew that thou art a gracious God, a merciful, slow to anger, of great kindness, repentancy of the evil. That warms our hearts, doesn't it? But that's not what, it did not warm Jonah's heart. He was irate at God for who God was. Because he was so angry and hated those Ninevites and the Assyrians so much that he, he didn't want them to experience God's uh, grace and God's mercy and God's kindness. And he says, verse 3, he, he hated it so much. He says, therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me. For it is better for me to die than to live. He said, I'm done. I don't even need to live anymore. If these guys are going to get saved and be part of your kingdom and, you know, you're going to show them love just like you show us love, it's just not worth living anymore. I'm over it. See, these Ninevites were the bad people, and they deserved judgment. They did not deserve mercy. Guess what, Jonah? You, don't, you didn't deserve God's goodness and kindness either, but he showed it to you when he sent that whale your direction. So you're not so far from the Ninevites either. Okay, maybe you're not peeling people's skin off their bodies while they're alive, but 
you're disobeying God. And uh, that deserved judgment just the same. All right, verse 4. Uh, we'll kind of wrap it up by just going walking through the rest of this little passage here. Verse 4, Then said the Lord, Doest thou well to be angry? He's like, Is it really good for you to be so upset right now? So Jonah responded not with a, res- a verbal response, with a physical response. So Jonah went out of the city, sat on the east side of the city, there made him a booth, sat under it in the shadow until he might see what would become of the city. He says, I'm going to get like front row seats. I'm going to get far away, enough away, just in case the Lord does, you know, throw fire down from heaven and destroy the city. I want to be far enough away so I don't get any hair singed. But, uh, but I do want to have a good view of it. So I'm going to get way up on the mountain and, you know, build this little, you know, booth, like a box seat. And I'm just going to get my popcorn out and watch and see what God does. Because I'm hoping that God's still going to judge this city. I mean, I'm glad, glad they changed their ways. But, you know, hopefully he's still going to bring judgment. So he waits those 40 days. Or is planning to wait those 40 days. Well, verse number six. And the Lord God prepared a gourd and made it to come up over Jonah that it might be a shadow over his head. So here, remember, the Lord prepared a great fish. Now he prepares a gourd. Made it to come up over Jonah that it might be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. So Jonah, the word exceeding appears several times in this book, if you haven't already caught that. But Jonah was exceeding glad of the gourd. So there's this plant that God makes, this vine that goes over and creates shade over him so that Uh, Perhaps he had a cool hairstyle like me and uh, did not have a lot of natural coverage. And uh, so, um, you know, some some heads uh, are perfect and some he had to cover with hair. Amen, Brother Tom. So um, and and perhaps Jonah had a really good head like uh, Brother Tom and I. And uh, he didn't have uh, he didn't. That's right. (laughs) Um, But the. Whatever the case is, he was thankful for the shade. He was thankful for it. In fact, he was so glad, he was exceeding glad. Compare that with verse 1. He was, exceeding, he was displeased exceedingly because this whole town came to the Lord. He was so ex- uh, upset, he was exceedingly upset that they had come to the Lord. But there's this plant that provides shade and all of a sudden he's a happy camper. His priorities are all out of whack, aren't they? Um, he's instead of being in, interested and in, in concerned with spiritual things, it's just the temporal things of life that really capture capture his attention. So Jonah was exceeding glad of the gourd, but God prepared verse seven a worm. So God prepared a fish. He prepared this plant, this gourd, and then now he prepares a worm. When the morning rose the next day, and it smote the gourd that it withered. So this worm comes and uh, destroys this gourd. And God, God's doing this to teach Jonah a lesson, and, and ultimately us as well, mainly the Jews, and we'll get to that at the very end here. Verse number 8, it came to pass when the sun did arise that God how now prepares something else. He prepares a vehement east wind, 
And the sun beat upon the head of Jonah, that he fainted and wished in himself to die, and said, It is better for me to die than to live. So twice in chapter 4 we see Jonah being suicidal, and, and really once in, in chapter number 1 where he said, You're going to have to send me overboard. Uh, I think that I'm going to need to probably die. So he's just kind of like, that's just so on his mind, you know, I just need to die. And then, and then verse number nine, he continues that thought. God said to Jonah, doest thou well to be angry for the gourd? You're so upset about a stupid plant, Jonah. And Jonah said, I do well to be angry, even unto death. Then said the Lord, thou hast pity on the gourd. For which thou hast not labored, neither made it to grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night? Should I not spare Nineveh, that great city, wherein are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern bes- between their right hand and their left hand, and also much cattle? And the book just abruptly ends. He said, you, you care more about a stupid plant than you do about other people who are going to spend eternity somewhere said, your, your priorities are all, all messed up, Mr. Jonah. Sometimes we get like that too in our own lives. We get so upset over a trivial matter of life. And when it comes to our neighbors that we live in the same neighborhood with, we couldn't care less about whether they spend eternity. I mean, we care, but do we care enough to do anything about it? That doesn't bother us all that much, but this little trivial matter that's going on in my life, that's wreaking all kinds of havoc in my heart. But the destiny of my coworkers, my extended family members, that doesn't really bother me so much. And that's what God's trying to teach Jonah here is like, your your priorities are all wrong. Now, Now, the thing is, is, these Assyrians were not Jews. They were Gentiles. And what God was trying to say to Jonah was, look, yes, I am the God of the Jews, but not just the God of the Jews either. I also love the Gentiles. I am also a gracious, loving God to all. And uh, Romans chapter number 3, this is uh, one commentator pointed this out, and I thought this was great. Um, Jonah is a commentary on Romans chapter number 3 in, uh, in verse number 22. It says this, Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all, and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. And uh, look, it does not matter if you're a Jew or Gentile. In verse 29 it says, Is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also. That's what he was trying to teach Jonah and us and the Jews. That look, God is, you know, we kind of start thinking, look, God needs to bless me because I'm me, but he, he doesn't need to bless other people. Yeah, he can. He can. So, Lessons from Jonah, especially as we look at his prayer life in the book of Jonah. Interesting that he refused to pray in chapter 1 when it was time to pray. In chapter 2, he did pray, and it was a good prayer, a prayer of gratitude and dedication. 
but it was there was a glaring absence of repentance and real getting right with God. It was more of a, hey, can you just get me out of this jam? And then once, once I'll do what you want me to do, so I go, but I don't do it with the right attitude. Uh, you can tell that by chapter 4. His heart was still not right with God. And uh, interesting that uh, his last prayer, last words to God is, I do well to be angry even unto death. Those were the last words, last prayer words of Jonah to God. I do well to be angry even unto death. Uh, really, that's not accurate, Jonah. You do not do well to be angry even unto death for a gourd, for a stupid plant. Come on. Your priorities are all messed up. All right. Uh, a lot more we can say about it, and uh, I know that you all know the story of, of Jonah, but a different angle tonight as we looked at his prayer life in this book and uh, hopefully some things that uh, will um, apply to our own lives. Uh, well, let's have a word of prayer and then we'll uh, look at some prayer requests tonight. Lord, thank you so much for your love for us. Thank you for the book of Jonah. And uh, Lord, I, I believe that Jonah probably was the human author of this book and, and he was transparent in what he said in there. And he didn't make himself look all that great. And uh, Lord, many times we fall into the same, same traps that he fell into. Sometimes we refuse to pray when we need to the most. When we're running from you, that's where we need to turn to you, but we don't want to. And uh, Lord, I pray that uh, when we do come back to you, that there would be real repentance. That it wouldn't just be, get me out of this jam. Get me out of this mess that I'm in. And Lord, I pray that... Uh, we would have a real heart for others and uh, not just get so focused on the, the temporary, trivial things of life that we would be concerned with those around us who need Christ. And uh, Lord, I pray that we would have a heart to reach them and a heart to pray for them and a heart to see them come to repentance and to salvation. Um, Lord, I do uh, pray that uh, you would help us to learn lessons 